you can send a shipment into the UK and a shipment into the Netherlands. So you've got two lots of shipments. That's by far the best way of doing it anyway. And then from the Netherlands, they then go into Germany. The other way is doing something called limited fiscal representation. Many Amazon sellers think business growth is the same as sales growth. But if you're smarter, you know e-commerce businesses are sold as a multiple of profits, not of sales. So if you want to build a sellable business, you need to grow profits. And to grow profits, you need to cut waste and increase profitable sales. Our new quick assessment helps you identify your biggest Amazon profit killer and what to do about it. Go to AmazonProfitQuiz.com. That's AmazonProfitQuiz.com to get your free instant diagnosis. Ladles and jealous beans, boys and girls, welcome back to the 10K Collective Podcast, the place to be for six, seven, and eight-figure Amazon private label sellers, a subset of the amazing FBA podcast family. Today, we are talking with Andy Hooper of Global E-Commerce Experts, and we are basically dealing today with if you're UK based, we're speaking to you. If you're trying to sell, send stuff over to Germany or you used to sell in Germany or you don't, or you used to sell in France and you are wanting to get back there, or you're thinking it looks really tempting, but you're not sure how to deal with the logistics. then we're going to talk about that today. Andy, welcome back to the show, first of all. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Yeah, great to have you with us. So we talked a bit about Brexit, the spat, as you put it, between the EU and the UK. And so I guess a lot of us are familiar with how things used to be, but if you want to just give us a very short recap of what's changed, first of all, so we can get our heads around the basics of that, specifically when it comes to shipping into Europe from the UK, that would be great. So give us your sort of two-minute Brexit pricey. Yeah, so we, yeah, the UK decided to have a little spat with Europe and we're no longer part of the European Union. And because of that, some little things have changed in order to make our lives a little bit more difficult. We had life very easy for a very long time where we could ship products backwards and forwards across Europe, backwards and forwards. And the honest answer is, is that during that period, the rules and regulations of the products we were buying and shipping across Europe were never actually followed. So let me give you an example. So if your products originated from China, let's say, and that's where your products originated. Actually, according to the rules and regulations, when you ship them from the UK to mainland Europe before, actually, they actually clarified and needed some customs clearance on those products. But no one ever did anything about it. And because of that, we got away with things for a very long time, very easily. Now, what was happening is we're all shipping products backwards and forwards, no problems at all, all happy days. Brexit happens, and quite honestly, British customs, French customs, German customs, no one had an absolute scooby on what they were doing. Not a single clue whatsoever. With the best will in the world, the Germans were probably the worst of this, and we all know that. The French were closely followed by that, and the Netherlands, the Dutch guys, just carried on going as usual. It was all a little bit difficult for a while, and it took about six months, I would say, before we really found what Germany actually wanted. Not what was needed, required, or what was legal, but what they actually wanted. And I think that's where we get to now, where we've solved all of those problems, and we're starting to re-engage is much easier. 
Brilliant. The fact that also uh, that there's one of the clues, the canary in the gold mine is the wrong word because it's the giant, the coal mine, but Amazon itself has reopened the mighty EFN, European Financial, sorry, European Fulfillment Network, which means that Amazon is prepared to ship across the UK EU boundary, which kind of implies that they've got it sorted to a certain degree anyway. And yes, so that's really, as you say, it's now we're now back in business is the feeling I would say. And by the way, six months Hmm, interesting. I mean, I, my clients probably try for about a year to, to ship pretty diligently and found it really difficult, but it does feel like we're back in business. Let's get into how do we deal with it now then? So what are the what are the things if you're UK based, you've got a bunch of stock here, you used to sell in Germany, now you gave up and you want to sell there again. I say Germany just because it's even bigger than the UK, Amazon by far the biggest Amazon European marketplace, right? So let's say Germany for the sake of argument, it could apply to anywhere else. What do we need to do now that we didn't used to do? So the first thing is there's a whole lot of paperwork you're probably going to need to fill in. Sorry to say it, but fact. So you're going to have to do some customs forms. You're going to need to be VAT registered somewhere in Europe. If you weren't already, if you still got it, great. If not, you're going to need to be VAT registered. In, if, let's say if you're doing Amazon FBA, okay? There are some alternatives, but let's say you're doing Amazon FBA. You're going to need to be VAT registered in the countries in which you want to fulfill, first off. And there are some ways around what to do. We would advise against shipping directly into Germany. It's possible. It's still doable, but they're still just a pain in the backside. There are, but you can do it, but it just takes too long. So here's what we do for our clients, because this works. We ship products into the Netherlands and then onto Germany. As easy as that. Now, there's two different ways of doing that. Now, some of you will be there thinking, okay, that's going to cost me a little bit more. I totally agree. It is going to cost you slightly more than shipping it directly into Germany. Totally agree. But the cost of delays is far greater and the cost of not knowing is far greater than a few pounds here or there, first off. And then there's, so there's two options. You can either ship into the Netherlands and straight into FBA. No problems at all. And you can do that two ways. You can either store products in the Netherlands and then shipping. You can do that by being VAT registered in the Netherlands, which does mean you need an additional VAT number, but you can only store things there. You can then store things there as long as you like. So let's say you're getting your products made out of region. You can send a shipment into the UK and a shipment into the Netherlands. So you've got two lots of shipments. That's by far the best way of doing it anyway. And then from the Netherlands, they then go into Germany. The other way is doing something called limited fiscal representation. What that basically means is you basically going to ship in through the Netherlands into Germany with Germany being your end destination, but with the clearance being done in the Netherlands. So you still get your goods straight into Germany, but they have to go via Netherlands, be cleared in the Netherlands and then go on. So that's basically the way round the situation. Does it cost slightly more? Yeah, look, it costs slightly more. I'm not saying it doesn't. But it does make your life a lot easier. So you, when you're thinking about re-engaging that trade and that opportunity to double your business, if you're in the UK, at the very least, then actually the opportunity is very real and it's very simple. You're, we're doing this for clients all day, every day. It's just about how you do that. My personal opinion is you shouldn't be sending any stock from the UK into Germany anyway. None. Unless the stock is made here, in which case, you get some customs clearances through anyway. That's not a problem. But if the stock isn't made in the UK, you shouldn't be sending anything from the UK. Fact. We've had, this has been going on long enough now 
for you to be able to get stock made and send it directly into Germany. And the, the same process of sending it from China into the UK is the same process for sending from the UK into the Netherlands. Like, it's the same. Yeah, I've had this discussion. It's interesting to hear somebody else backing up my theory on this. I've been trying to ask my clients to, to do this for over a year now. The only difference, though, is the economies of scale, isn't it? If you're shipping yes. a container from China to UK, then, okay, maybe you can fill a container. But if you're going to ship half a container or whatever it ends up being to UK and half a container to Germany, first of all, we've got your two separate sets of shipping costs, whatever they may be, but also you're going to get a less good rate per unit economic. So this is the downside. What are your thoughts on that? Because this is something that's come up. And I 100% agree with that. Uh, there is an economy of scale. And if you're shipping one container into the UK, you've now got to ship two 20-footers into you know, one into each other. And I totally understand. One thing we have been doing for our clients, if we've got, if we can group clients together, and so you do an LCL shipment, less than container load, if we can combine that all with our clients that are coming into our warehouse in the Netherlands, and we can consolidate that in China and then bring that in, Actually, we can make that work because it doesn't matter. You've still got the economy of scale. Does it cost slowly more? Yeah, of course it does because there's more customs and things in that container. It's more complicated. But that is a way around that by bringing groups of clients together. The downside is we all know that your 10 pallets and someone else's 10 pallets, whatever they happen to be, never, ever merge together. Because life's just not like no, that. No, it's never that easy. Yeah, no, yeah. It's never that easy. But the basic idea is sound. So you, in other words, consolidating is the way to rediscover close to the economies of scale. But then also you're shipping from China according to German needs and from China to UK according to UK needs. So that does make sense. How does EFN play into this? If we backtrack, so some people are on the, this, the point where they want to dip a toe in the water, either because they're selling in Europe again, having sold in Europe in the past, or they're getting into it for the first time and the UK, they're already selling it. And this could apply to US entities as well. Like, is European Fulfillment Network a, a good way to sort of dip your toe in the water now it's available again? So there's two sides of this argument, two sides to look at this. One, by going into your Amazon Seller Central account in the UK and flicking a switch that says, turn EFN on, if you're going to sell some, if you're, if you want to just test the market or see what happens, look, if one person buys it, it's one sale you didn't have. I'm all for that. Totally 100% behind that because it's practically free to use. And it's basically an opportunity for you to sell a product to somebody else somewhere in the world that you didn't have the opportunity to before. Totally behind it. If you're looking, is that the way of scaling your brand? And does it portray your brand in the best way? My argument or process would be, no, I don't think so. Because... If you go and if you look and go for a VPN and look at it from you know, Amazon.de and try and buy that product, it basically says we're guessing the amount of duty and VAT you're going to pay. Here's the guess, and we have no idea when you're getting it. It'll be within the, within two weeks. Now it's looked it looks a bit clunky. It is a bit clunky. Will Amazon sort that out over time? If they see that it works, they'll sort it out. If they see it doesn't work it will just die a slow death. Either way, one or the other will happen. My personal opinion is, if you've got no interest of selling in Europe, you don't want to sell in Europe, turn it on and see what happens. If you're thinking about it and you're waiting to start, turn it on and see what happens. So either way, turn it on. 
<laughs> nice. So just before you do that, let's just double check there aren't any downsides to turning it on. Double checking that you don't have to be VAT compliant. You don't have to be registered rather in any EU country in order to use EFAN if your stock is in the UK. Is that correct? Here comes the problem. And no one likes problems or the complications, should I say. If you turn EFN on, it can essentially be sold anywhere in Europe. If it's being sold through EFN, there's some questions we're still waiting to find out. Because you've sold it on a UK marketplace, what should happen is the product, let's say when it wants to be returned, it should be collected in Germany and it should be sent directly back to UK FBA. That's what should happen. If that's the case, there's no VAT obligation because the product isn't being stored or fulfilled from a European location. That's what should happen. There is some doubt right now whether that's actually happening. And there is some concern that what's happening is it's being picked up in Germany and just sent back to German FBA. If it's then stored in Germany FBA and you're not VAT registered, you could trigger a liability to be VAT registered in Germany because your stock is in Germany. But the answer is there is a large concern at the moment that's possible. In theory, it should be sent back to UK FBA and they should trigger no VAT obligations. But everything that happens with Amazon that happens like this, we all know never quite happens as smooth as what any of us would have, especially when they're dealing with billions of parcels. So the answer is we haven't seen enough volume in the EFN network to give you a definitive answer, unfortunately. Okay. So in other words, that, that cheerful advice of just turn it on sounds to me, turn it on if you're willing to risk quite a, quite a complicated situation with European VAT compliance, because you could essentially end up being liable for VAT compliance in what, eight countries because of where they store the stock as well? Yeah. And that's where I was getting to with the big but, unfortunately. Yeah. But the thing is, if the products... So you trigger a VAT liability when you sell and fulfill a product in a country. There's a whole load of if, what's, buts, where's, and maybes outside of that. But the long and short of it is, if you sell and fulfill a, pro a product from a country, the government wants to thank you for selling it in the country. So if that's the case, if it's then sent back to German FBA, but you're not selling anything in German FBA, you haven't turned that on, in theory... German marketplace shouldn't fulfill that product. Therefore, it shouldn't trigger a liability for VAT. But Amazon's process and algorithm doesn't necessarily work like that because Amazon's algorithm says, do we have a product in our warehouse? Yes or no. Is the client, is the seller registered in Germany? Yes or no. Oh, suspend them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So uh, I, my next question was going to be, is pan-EU re registration necessary or advisable? So it sounds to me, I'd just ask you that question then, but on the back of what you're saying, it sounds like it's maybe more necessary than it seemed. EFN is not the promised city on the hill yet, necessarily. So EFN is definitely not the promised city on the hill, definitely without any shadow of a doubt. I think it's a opportunity. I think it's too early to give you any data, most of our clients are shipping VAT registered in Europe and fulfilling from Europe because that's just how we're geared up and we set up and work with our clients. So you, know, I don't have any valuable data to give you any real, I'm giving you anecdotally about that. Coming on to the Pan-EU question, Pan-EU is where you basically send your products into a 
warehouse in Europe and Amazon will distribute it throughout Europe, which means you can sell it throughout Europe and it'll get in the hands of people on Prime next day, pretty much the whole of Europe. Epic. The downside stage, you've got to be VAT registered in every country that Amazon has a warehouse. And when you start adding all of that up, that becomes quite costly. So our approach isn't actually to be pan-EU registered. Our approach is, coming back to what we were talking about Germany earlier, our approach is when you first start, register for VAT in Germany and be VAT registered in Germany and put your products in German FBA, right? However you get them there, right? We've discussed that bit, but get them into German FBA. Once they're in German FBA, turn on the European Fulfillment Network from Germany. Because then what happens is you're testing that in from Germany and then sending it on to other countries. And because, coming back to our original point of it should come back to Germany, because it's not a cross-border connection, that's how it used to work. It goes back to Germany, no problems at all. So that's how you can turn on European Fulfillment Network in Germany to get it to the other countries. So we wouldn't recommend being pan-EU straight away. We recommend being in one country, Germany, seeing how sales go. When you see France pick up and get to a certain point, then register in France, unless you meet a threshold. And then so on in Italy, Spain, Port- you know, Poland, Czech Republic, yeah. and wherever else. So question on that then, and a couple of things. First of all, it, does the distance selling rules still apply then, even though you're selling as a non-EU entity? Let's say you've got a UK limited company. I guess it would be similar for US company. And then you have, you've registered for VAT in Germany, you're shipping stock into Germany. That should be okay. Let's say your stock in Germany sells in France and you're below the distance selling threshold. You're not liable to be VAT registered in France then. Is that correct? Exactly that, as long okay. as you're below the distance selling threshold. Which is what, about 30,000 euros a year or something along those lines? So it used to be. Used it to used be. to be 35,000 euros. And depending on which country you were going to, actually depended on the amount. But broadly, it was roughly 30,000 euros across Europe, roughly. It was 35 in most. But actually now, because of something called one-stop shop, that number has actually been reduced to 10,000. So it's actually only 10,000 is the distance selling threshold because of one-stop shop. One-stop shop is a new system process that Europe brought in to make selling goods in other countries really easy. And it is a great opportunity, but it's not that great if you're an Amazon seller in Amazon warehouses for the reasons we've discussed already. If right. you're selling, if you're a Shopify seller and you're selling on one marketplace, sorry, on one website and you're fulfilling from one location, one-stop shop is absolutely awesome. Uh, but yeah. Amazon doesn't work. Yeah. Okay. Got it. But nevertheless, it does sound like it's going to be an opportunity to test out marketplaces. So under 10,000, I'm going to guess by the time you're getting to 10,000, then you're going to, you're going to have to register for VAT in France, or presumably you can just turn that off anyway. I presume you can cherry pick the location still that you sell it on the Amazon marketplaces. Is that correct? Exactly that. And what yeah. we would say initially is when you launch in Germany, just sell in Germany to start with, just get that piece dialed in, just get some sales and some sales velocity, and then open up France, because then you've got to do the translation. So open up in France, do the translations, do France, then go to Italy, Spain, and everything else follows after that. You don't yeah. have to rush this. Yeah, absolutely. 
And by the way, I think you're being quite generous to the rest of Europe from the stats I've seen over the last few years that two thirds of the sales come from the UK and Germany. I think for a lot of my clients, it's that France and Spain certainly negligible for a lot of things. Outside of like fashion led brands, I've seen watches do very well in Italy. It, it generally is, if you, all you do is sell in Germany, I would personally say you've done pretty well. One of my clients came, but this is pre. Brexit stuff, but he did say when he left the mastermind, because he just outgrown what we could offer him at that point and grown to eight figures a year and, and onwards. And he said, yeah, thanks for taking us into Germany or kicking my ass until when it's Germany, because we made an extra 600,000 pounds in profit over the last three years, not just revenue. I thought, yeah, you, <laughs> I think he should probably owe me beers for life on the basis of that one. But it's true that <laughs> Germany, if you do nothing else, if all you take from this podcast is the word Germany and get on with it, I would say we've done people a favor and you're obviously yep. of a similar mind, I think. I so totally talking agree. of which, we also let you go, because I know you back to back meetings today. What services do you offer at Global e-commerce experts for people? So we, we are a turnkey expansion specialist. So global e-commerce experts successfully expand e-commerce brands into Europe. Typically, that was US sellers coming into Europe. Since Brexit, obviously the same skills apply for US, UK sellers going back into the European Union. So whether it's logistics, you shipping, sea freight, air freight, road freight, we can do that. If it's customs, we can do that. If it's warehousing, fulfillment, direct to Amazon, direct to consumer, we can do that from our warehouses in the UK and in the Netherlands. So that's the logistics piece. We can do the compliance piece, which we've not spoken a huge amount of when you start talking about compliance of your product, making sure your product is compliant with the regulations, making sure that you're, you've got the right things in place, whether it's responsible persons, cosmetic portals, or whatever, food, supplements, and everything else that goes with that. And then obviously your business compliance as well. So VAT registration and things like that. So that's the compliance piece. And then lastly, you've then got the third final P, which is account management, is running the accounts. If you're already running an Amazon store, you don't need us to run your Amazon store for you, but we can help you with translations and all those sort of things. You, there's new things coming in place under compliance, EPR, which is basically a recycling tax in France and Germany. You'll all be pleased to hear about that is coming into place uh, now that you'll also need to be done. You, we can support and help with all of those things. Basically, if you, need go, if you want to go into Europe and you need some support, we can basically hold your hand and make it happen for you. Yeah, brilliant. Sounds very good. And uh, if people want to get a hold of you, Andy, just remind ourselves, remind us of how we do that. Yeah, you can go to our website, Google Global E-Commerce Experts Limited. You will find us, I'm sure, on search engines. You can find us on all the social channels that you might be relevant to the work for you. We're probably not very big on TikTok because I'm not of that generation. Although uh, clearly we're probably going to become part of that generation soon. And then the kids will stop using it anyway. But you can, you will find us on all of those things. You can hear my podcast, which is e-commerce expander secrets. If you're into podcasts and that's what you listen to. If you want more information about what we do, absolutely free. You can go to our website forward slash podcast and you'll get our seven step uh, guide, which will talk you through that. If you want to get in contact with me, go to LinkedIn, search for Andy Hooper. And if you're in the e-commerce space, I'm pretty sure I'm going to come pretty much near the top and you can send me a message. Excellent. Yes. The six step pathway ebook is at global e-commerce experts dot com forward slash podcast. If you've got a good memory, I might invite you to buy the uh, URL six step pathway.com or something, but that's a, it's yes. a good place. 
good book for sure. Anyway, you guys have got a lot to offer. Look, Andy, it's been fantastic. I know you've got to let you go, but this has been some useful nuggets for me today. And God knows I spent enough time discussing this stuff with my mastermind people. So you've clearly got the expertise to get the nuance and detail as well as to get the hope to take the big picture off people's plates if they want to. Final thing just reminds me to say thanks so much for coming on the show and, and talking us through this stuff and sharing our expertise. No worries, but thank you very much for having us and good luck to everyone doing it. If you need any support, you know where we are. But above all, you're an entrepreneur. Go solve the problem and make it happen. Yeah, great advice. Thank you, Andy. Thanks for listening to the 10K Collective podcast for six and seven figure Amazon sellers. I really hope you found the show helpful to you. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please do leave us a quick star rating. It will take you all of 30 seconds to do it, but it does mean we can be found by and help many more e-commerce business builders. I wish you fast and profitable scaling, and I hope you enjoy the process of building your seven-figure Amazon business. Thanks very much for listening.